Greetings, everybody. I'm Melissa Bonzak, and welcome to episode 68 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with the authors you should be reading. It is Thursday, June 25th, 2020, I think. Yeah, look it up my calendar real quick. Yes, that's the date. Um, that's the date that this will air. So uh, I'm dying to know what you're reading. Drop down to the show notes, click on the comment link, and let me know. I'm always looking for uh, a great book. I read any genre. It doesn't matter whether it's fiction, nonfiction, whatever. And um, if you're an author, no problem. Tell me about the book that I need to read that you've written. So uh, just let me know. I'm dying to know. Uh, let's see. This week, I have got a great show. I know I always say that, but I have a great show this week. I am talking with Cameron Coral. We are talking post-apoc and robots and artificial intelligence and the end of the world and robots versus humans. And it's so much fun. We had a great time this week. Great talk. And as you listen, uh, we will tell you how you can win uh, one of Cameron's eBooks. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll tell you how to do that. And then I will draw one winner and let you know. And you have until July 15th at six o'clock Eastern. So I will have that listed in the show notes for you, uh, but listen to the episode so you know what to do. So uh, let me get right to it and I will see you after. I wanna welcome Cameron Coral today. I'm really excited to have her here because she wrote a book that I read recently that I absolutely loved. So welcome to the show. Hi, Melissa, I'm so glad to be here. I, I, I'm going to start. I'm, I'm so glad you could, you could come on. I'm going to start with reading um, Cameron's bio. Uh, Cameron Coral writes science fiction and is the author of the Rogue Spark series, the Cyborg Guardian Chronicles, and the Rusted Wasteland series. Growing up with a NASA engineer in the family instilled a deep respect for science and asking lots of questions. Watching tons of Star Trek episodes helped too. Her imagination is fueled by breakthroughs in robotics, space travel, and psychology. After moving around a lot, she now lives in Chicago with her husband, where she endlessly discovers interesting characters and new stories to tell. If you want a free novel or advanced copies of books, you can join her website, which is CameronCoral.com, and we will mention that again one more time. And um, I want to start today with talking about uh, her Steel Guardian series. This one came out, I want to say this one came out recently. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. So Steel Guardian came out, oh, here it says February, February 2020. Um, yes, I, okay. it's kind of a complicated because it originally came out in December and then I, re, we, re, we unpublished it and then I republished it in February. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Well, writers do that sometimes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let me, um, let me tell you the Steel Guardian, it is part of the book one of the Rusted Wasteland. So let me read the description real quick for you guys. Can a gentle robot fight for win the fight for humanity's last hope. Before the robot uprising, Block the cleaner bot, dutifully followed his programming as part of a hotel cleaning crew. Now in the aftermath of the AI apocalypse that annihilated the world, he tries to simply do his job, avoiding the dangerous soldier bots and, win, and who wage war on, on the last human survivors. I have the worst time talking in the morning, says normal listeners can, can attest to. Uh, uh, but when Block finds a mysterious human infant, he's compelled to care for the girl and travel across the metal-infested wastelands of America to a safe haven 700 miles away. Without proper food and care, the baby could die before he reaches safety. When he encounters Nova, a surly soldier who becomes an unlikely ally, they must tackle the biggest challenge of their lives. Together, they face mortal danger from bands of scavengers, militaristic soldier bots, combat mechs, and a cyborg bounty hunter who will stop at nothing to find Block and the child, an infant who might hold the key to humanity's future. And you describe the book here as Johnny Five meets Wally in a world of Terminators. And I completely agree with that description because that, that is exactly what I thought when I started reading this book. Awesome. Well, that is exactly what I wanted you to think. <laughs> so that makes me so happy. Yeah, I just love, I love writing the character of Block, and I'm, 
working on books two and three in the series um, at the same time. So I've actually, I'm uh, over halfway through, so, so book two is completely drafted, awaiting edits, and then book three, I'm about halfway, maybe 60% through. And I really did that intentionally because I wanted to make sure that there's just all the continuity and really trying to make sure I'm, I'm continuing to make that, you know, Block's character really, um, you know, hit the same notes and just have more, more adventure and meeting lots of new characters in that world, but also taking him on it, taking the reader on a journey with Block. So it's really been, it's just been the best character to write. I'm, you know, he really is. And, and if you're thinking, oh, robot, oh, boring. No, completely not. Uh, in the very beginning, I'm not going to give anything away by saying this. In the very beginning, um, Block is with a little, I forget what kind of robot it was. Vacubot. Um, what was he? <laughs> Vacubot. A Vacubot. And he, as you're reading it, he's taking care of this Vacubot. He's trying to find a place to recharge this little thing. At one point, he's hiding it, and it gets out, and it goes off and gets itself almost captured, just like a child would do. And it was very important, I thought, to establish that Block had the makings of a parent. Yeah. He really did. And I was so, I mean, I kept putting the book down because I was so worried about little Vacubot. <laughs> and I, oh, it just, it took me a while to get through that section because I was just so worried about him. And I kept, and I kept, I wanted to sit and read the book all in one day, but then I didn't want to because then the book was going to be over. <laughs> and I know everybody listening who is a, a real reading freak who when you get to those, there's some books that you just do not want to keep reading because they're going to be over and you don't want to lose that world that you're in. So I was very excited. I thought it was a standalone and I was very excited to find out that it was part of a series. Do you plan just three books for this series? I, so definitely the three are going to kind of end the, that first story arc, but I want to keep, I'm pretty sure I want to keep writing in that world. I think there's just so much so much that can happen um, and so many interesting side characters that I'm discovering as I'm writing. So I think there will be more in the future. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. I saw that in your bio that you have a NASA, NASA? someone worked at NASA? Yeah, so my, step, my stepfather, Mike, um, was a NASA engineer for over 40 years. And so I grew up in Maryland, and so he was um, an engineer at NASA Goddard Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. And um, yeah, it was really fun just having a <laughs> having a NASA having a rocket scientist in the family. <laughs> oh my God! Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then you've got you got Star Trek on TV, and then you've yeah. got Star Trek in real life, and yeah. that just. Like you said in your bio, that just must have given you all kinds of inspiration for stories, which probably explains why everything that you have on your Amazon page is science fiction related. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I always read, I was always a big reader as a kid. And I, it, it's interesting because my stepfather actually got me really interested in reading and, and writing in general because he when I was about eight, he, so he was from Maine and he gave me a, a, he gifted me the book Salem's Lot by Stephen King. And <laughs> I was eight, but it, just, he said, here's this nifty writer. He's in, he lives in Bangor, Maine, where I'm from. And <laughs> um, it just got me obsessed with Stephen King and vampires. And I just, I carried that book around everywhere, even though I didn't really understand everything. I carried it around everywhere. I was always reading it. And um, just, you know, it, it made me want to, it made me want to become a writer. I, I really wanted to read and be like Stephen King. <laughs> so, um, so that was really fun. And then just yeah, I, I grew up loving shows like Star Trek and um, kind of wanting to be like, you know, be like a Star Trek person in my life when I grew up and, and like live on a ship and work on a computer and <laughs> have adventures. So, yeah, so, so it's just... It kind of came true. <laughs> it did. <laughs> so, I love inventing these worlds and, you know... 
researching new science, so scientific things that can be applied in my, in my book, like the idea of how would a robot like block actually be powered and move around. And so something I saw that was emerging is like a um, power where it's generated from like waste products like petroleum and oils and, and things that we would just like maybe toss in a landfill that are harmful, but in, it can actually generate certain um, energy and there's different microbes that feed on that and produce energy. So that's how Glock is powered. And that's why he needs to find like oil and waste products. And he loves to just clean up the dirt and it, it goes into his microbial cavity in his abdomen. And that's how he's, he generates power. So just like finding weird things like that that can go into my stories is just a lot of fun. Oh yeah, definitely. And then, um, was it last year that you were at Seattle for the sci-fi? Uh, yeah. I forget what it was called. I wanted to go, but something came up and I couldn't. I was really bummed about that. Yeah, it was a blast. It was called Sci-Fi Seattle and it is. it was hosted by Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon, who do a lot of these writer trips, um, like Authors on a Train and different fun retreats for writers. And so it was about, um, I guess, a, 10 or 11 of us came together in, in Seattle. And we actually hung out at the Museum of Pop Culture, which if you ever get a chance to go there, it's fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, we, I was there. Yeah, it was there last, uh, the like, just like two months before it was announced. And they had a Star Trek exhibit and you could get on the transporter. And I don't know if it was still there when you were there and you could be transported to a scene and then you'd act out the scene and I was alone so I could I thought I'm not doing it by myself <laughs> but I watched a bunch of people do it and then they had a Borg thing that you could go inside it was really cool I'm sorry to interrupt you but yeah it was very cool museum if you are in the area you can go to it yeah it was fantastic and so we did world building and so we actually built a universe together we all sat in a room and we brainstormed ideas and it was so fun to just be with other writers. So there, so there were a few people who were experienced sci-fi authors and then there were other people who wrote fantasy or YA. Um, one of the authors writes sci-fi comedy. So it was a really great eclectic mix of people and that generated a lot of cool ideas. And so we, this world building, we, we created these two alien species. One was called the, the Teku, one was called the Krad, and they come to Earth every 2,000 years. And so we actually planned out this timeline of like that spans 50,000 years or something. And this these things happen and then um, along the way humans get the technology and um, you know can, can get into space and can you know travel at, at near light speed. And so it just, it created this incredible universe that we could tell stories from. And so we each wrote a short story and that anthology just came out last week. And um, it, it was just a lot of fun. And then all, all of the proceeds go towards a group called Tech Bridge Girls, which is a, a nonprofit um, that actually has offices in Seattle, DC and California. and they help um, low-income girls get um, science and technology and engineering training um, and help them kind of see what role, the role that science and technology can play in their life. And um, so it's just really exciting to, to have been a part of it. And I think the stories came out so well. It's a fun, it's a fun read. It's on, it's in uh, Kindle Unlimited if you have that and, and wanna, want a bunch of good stories and it goes towards charity, so. Yeah, and it's got, I just saw that just, just come out. I was very excited. I have not got a copy yet, but I will. I plan on, plan on it and it's got a great cover. It's, the cover, um, amazing. It's got a spaceship yeah. uh, with, the, with the space background, which is what you expect when you think yeah. sci-fi. You wanna see that spaceship on the cover. And just yeah. like with robots, I love the cover of yours. You've got Brock right there, Brock, Block right there. <laughs> um, he, and he's, a, he's just a really interesting, and I like, I do like how, you had 
given him how he powers himself. I thought that was really interesting because you don't see that a lot in books on robots. They just have the robot, he does his thing, and they don't really go into the details of his life, so to speak. And I did like how Nova, the human traveling with him, was disgusted all the time by what he was feeding himself. Yes. <laughs> so you did have a nice element. There's a nice comedic element that goes through with, um, with, the, with the very uh, dramatic... Uh, moments that it has also. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for two and three to come out. So you need to get cracking on those. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so, so do you, do you, was that the first time you've done a writing retreat like that? Um, no, actually I did Zach and Jay's authors on a train in 2018. And so that was so fun. We, so for anyone that in the audience who doesn't know, Authors on a Train is also a author's retreat, but we we started off um, in Chicago and we got on an Amtrak overnight train to New Orleans. And so a bunch of us authors, we, we each found a co-writing partner and then we spent several days in New Orleans just seeing the city and getting together and in, in, um, in workshops and starting to come up with the ideas and writing with our partner. And so that was also an anthology that was published. And we, are, we had a theme um, of dark magic and voodoo. So it was a lot of fun. We, I wrote a story um, with uh, Chloe Adler and it's called The Soul Collector. And it was just a lot of fun to go to, you know, check out some of the places in New Orleans. We went to a, um, a house, the House of Voodoo um, and saw some of the shrine, like just the different art, artwork and shrines and some of the history about the history and legends of that area. It, it was just so much fun. You know, I, I like that. I like that idea of getting to the area and really getting immersed in the area, the culture, the people, uh, how it feels, how it smells, how it looks, and all that comes into, comes into the writing. And I really liked the, uh, we taught, I had them on the show, I think it was March of 2019. I did March of the Zombies for the whole month of March. I had, we talked zombie books and oh, it was their anthology that they did for the Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Was that it? Yeah, Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Writing Dead, is that what they called it? I try to remember what they called it. I'll have to look, I'll have a link in the show notes. But that one's a bunch of zombie stories. And uh, we'll have that in the show notes also and the New Orleans one and um, maybe just even the link to, um, uh, to their page themselves. Because if you are a writer, you might want to think about joining them on one of the retreats. I was supposed to go uh, to the October one in New Orleans. And because of COVID, we're, it, was tra- it, was sent to, it was pushed to 2021. And my daughter's getting married in October 2021. So it's like, nah, I got a previous, um, so I can't go to that one. So my roommate, I sent her a note and said, I'm sorry, I can't go now, but I'm going to the Salem one now, which Salem Witches in July of next year. And she said, I'm going too. I said, oh, great. <laughs> so that works. We'll just move our, our uh, roommate situation, I guess, yeah. to, uh, to, are you going to go to the one in Salem next year or, or to I, New Orleans? I am thinking about the one in Salem, actually, because my, um, my very good friend um, lives in Beverly, Massachusetts, so not terribly far from Salem, and she lives in this crazy old 300-year-old house. <laughs> oh, lovely. Old colonial house, and um, yeah, I've stayed there before, and it's really wonderful, so old. I do think it's haunted, actually, because <laughs> we slept in the attic, and I... I feel like there was something <laughs> happening <laughs> and there, there was a, one of those little rooms like a crawl space um, and it I don't know I feel like I woke up in the middle of the night and like there was something there was a spirit or something there oh, <laughs> maybe cool. it was my imagination run wild but it was it was a lot of fun <laughs> oh that's cool I like that I like that and um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to go because I, I found out we've got, I've got a witch in my family. I can't remember her oh, name, cool. but she was one of the Salem witches. I think she was hung. I think it took him like 25 years finally to get her. I have to go back and look again, but 
So I said, oh, that one, since I've got a witch in the family, I need to definitely, definitely go to that one. But I, I hadn't really thought about writing, you know, witches, but who knows? Because I write comedy, you know, cozy mystery. And I am thinking about doing some science fiction next year, but it does have an element of comedy through it because that's just, I, I, I can't not do that. And I've tried dry, writing just straight drama. doesn't work. Wow. It doesn't yeah. work. I, 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 did, I did a screenplay, a, British, a short, and when we had the reading for it, we all kept laughing. And I said, we seriously need to do this as a tongue-in-cheek because it's just, it's too funny. Mm. But anyway, um, so, okay, so that's, 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 I'd call that a pilgrimage. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you have any other ones? Like, I want to go, I want to write a book in, in, in Italy. Mm. So that's on my, that's on my bucket list. If COVID ever goes away, I told my husband, we're going to go to Italy for at least two weeks. Cause I really want to immerse myself, find some place that's, you know, in a little town somewhere and get the feel for the going to the market and all those things. So then I can write that into my characters. Do you have anything like that, that you want to do assuming COVID ever goes away? I, well, I, I love to travel and I was really fortunate because Actually, um, before, so I was a project manager and I worked for a global company and I got to do a lot of traveling um, earlier in my career. And I actually lived in Australia for a year and a half. So I've always wanted to really kind of tell some of the stories about Australia and the area where I lived in South Australia. Um, maybe something like in the outback, um, and actually, speaking of train trips, I was just thinking how I, I probably wouldn't do an overnight train trip like the one I did from Chicago to New Orleans again, but there are some other train journeys in other countries that look really cool. Like there's one in the outback in Australia where you go from, you leave from South Australia and you end up in Western Australia. So you're traveling across a really vast, like really unpopulated, desert area of the country so that I think that would be really cool to do um I, yeah I you know there's so many cities in Europe that I haven't been to that I would love to go I would love to spend time in Spain and maybe some cities like Prague um there's just so much so much to see and experience um and I yeah I can't wait till we can kind of travel more in some of the Oh yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Do you think that you would stick with sci-fi, you know, thinking add sci-fi sci-fi element to the outback of Australia? Yeah, I think I think I will I will probably try mainly to stick to sci-fi. Um yeah, I just I just gravitate towards it whenever I, you know, even with the books I read, the movies I watch, the shows I watch, I just love sci-fi worlds and and you know, speculative sci-fi. It's just where I, where I go to, where I gravitate. So yeah, I'll stick, I'll stick with the genre. So you've been writing now since 2017? Actually since 2015 um, is when I started writing nonfiction and I started blogging and I started my first NaNoWriMo in, in 2015, but it took me two years to do my first novel, my, my first sci-fi novel, um, because it started with NaNoWriMo. I didn't, I got about 20,000 words into it, and then I think I picked it up again sometime in the following year. I was also writing some short stories and things like that, but it took the next NaNoWriMo to actually finish it, and then it took a long time, like a year or more, to edit and start that series. So it was kind of a slow road. I, you know, I felt more comfortable writing nonfiction because my, my project management, my business background, um, that, that just kind of made sense. And that's really where I started trying to find my voice. And then it was harder for me to get into, to transition into storytelling and fiction, but I'm really glad I did. And I, I'm, you know, I'm always, I think we always say, oh, I wish I'd started writing earlier. Um, I had done a lot of starts and stops, even when I was younger. Um, so I, you know, probably would have told my younger self to like, hey, keep going, keep trying. <laughs> but I think we all, authors kind of go through this journey and we have to, 
we have to kind of evolve and it's not always an easy road. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, you know, and, and a lot of times you don't have the experiences or the ideology or, or, or whatever, um, to really make it work. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I didn't publish my first book until 2000, I think it was 2017. So I was in my fifties before I pub published my first book. And I hear a lot of authors that they're in their twenties and they're thinking, Oh my God, it's too late already. And I'm thinking, Dude, just keep writing, you know, exactly. just keep working at it. You know? yeah. So when, when you, <laughs> when you, when you sit down, then when you come up with an idea, so you have three series, does the does the character come to you? Does the situation or does the the how do you start a new series? Mm -hmm. Well, it's been a little different for each series. It's kind of evolved. Um, so my but something that's been consistent throughout is the idea. So it's something it's kind of how the character is manifested. So I knew I knew blocks, I knew Steel Guardian would be about a robot. I didn't, and, and a robot who finds a baby. I didn't know exactly what he would be like until I started kind of, you know, um, sketching out the plot. I knew Cyborg Guardian Chronicles, I knew I wanted to write about a woman who becomes a cyborg, so half human, half machine, and how does she deal with that when she's the only one? Um, and then for my first series, Rogue Spark, I knew I wanted a character who had been, um, I knew I want this idea of what if you had the power to heal? What would that make your life like? And how, you know, if people knew that you had this power to like bring somebody back from the brink of death, who, how would that change your life and would, would very powerful people be after you because you, you know, you could potentially save them from anything, any harm that might happen, that, that might befall them. So it, I guess to answer this question, <laughs> kind of answered my own question that it's always the idea that I come up with first. And then as I start to outline, I get, I start to define the character and their particular personality traits and, um, I use, one of the things I use a lot is I have this big giant book of um, astrology. So it's based on the Chinese calendar and the zodiac signs. And so there are literally hundreds of different personality types and traits. And so I'll usually, I'll kind of flip through and pick out some of the interesting ones that you might not actually think about. Like there's one, there's actually a robot named Ogre in my Rogue Spark series. And I picked out one of these personality, um, one of these personality traits or, or archetypes. And one of it was that they would really love playing billiards. <laughs> and so <laughs> I had this robot named Ogre who um, was, he was part of a robot police force, you know, bad enemy. And then he kind of gets pulled over to the good side. And so one of the things is he's starting to learn how to interact with humans and discovers the game of billiards and he's obsessed with it. And so just weird little traits like that kind of try, I try to make my characters more interesting with those. Well, you know, that really does make it interesting. And I, you know, and yeah, I love that, that he plays billiards and with block in, um, in steel guardians, I kept picturing him with a British accent. <laughs> just because he was so proper. Mm -hmm. And I love that even as things are absolutely crazy, he's wanting to stop and clean things. Yeah. <laughs> Cause and I, I, programming and he worked, he worked at a, um, a luxury hotel in Chicago called the Drake and it's very old. Yeah. So he's very proper and, you know, he, he's got these settings of, hospitality like he wants to make guests comfortable and he doesn't want to offend anybody and yeah it, it'll drive him crazy if something's dirty <laughs> yeah and then there were several points where yeah it was he absolutely had to be in in the dirt or just in the middle of a battle he's like oh wait a minute let me clean this over here <laughs> no no we got to get away we got to get away 
So I, I really liked his character a lot. And how much are you going to let him grow, do you think? Or how much can you? Because if you make him grow too much, he's no longer the character that we came to love in the first book. Right. You worried about that at all? Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, now you are. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's definitely been on my mind um, because I do want him to have some kind of a journey so transform somehow. Um, so that I'm, I'm thinking about that and how I don't want to, you know, there are forces out there that will try to corrupt him um, and maybe try to, you know, he, something that he has to deal with is um, because of the way he was programmed, um, he's ends up being, back before the uprising, he was, he had to be invisible a lot. Like he, um, humans didn't, you know, they were starting to get suspicious of robots and not only taking away people's jobs, but feeling threatened by how militarized the robots were becoming. And so there were, there was a movement to um, recall the robots and turn them in and, um, so there's a lot of kind of fear happening. So Block had to be invisible a lot of times and not disturb people. And so how does, you know, and to other robots, they under always underestimate him. He's just a cleaner bot. And so how does he kind of, and he's very timid, how does he, but he needs to save, you know, this human, he needs to be an advocate. So how do you, the, the way his journey is going to be very interesting and how he grapples with some of those problems. Most definitely, most definitely. And it is fun. He has changed a little bit from the beginning of the book to the end. Um, definitely. I mean, I, I need probably to go back and reread it again one more time. Um, he just, yeah, he's, he's really an interesting character. And I didn't think that a robot would, would be able to, and I think the book is like, halfway before you meet the first human? Mm -hmm. um, something like that. Yeah, maybe, yeah, 25%. Yeah, and I did not miss them at all. <laughs> well, that's great. I did, you know, I wasn't sure because I hadn't written something like this and I did think about that. Like, well, is somebody really going to relate to a robot character? But, um, uh, a series that actually really influenced me um, is the Murderbot series by Martha Wells. There's um, five books in that series, and it's a robot protagonist. It's told in first person, and it is a, a little different in that it's a it's a robot who was programmed to be like a security unit for people who like for scientific missions or people who go out exploring different um, planets in this galaxy. And it was, it's a corporate robot. So you kind of hire out this security guard robot and it ends up hacking its own, it has a governor module. So it ends up hacking into that and taking its control of itself. And it, it's just such an interesting character. He's very, um, the character is very, snarky and almost arrogant, but also very socially awkward. And so that, because I loved that series so much, I just thought, I, I think I can write about this robot and I think I can make it interesting enough that somebody would be wanting to read through the whole series. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, he, 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 felt, he felt more human to me than some of the humans we encounter later in the book. <laughs> and maybe that's just because I went through so much with him by the time that we do encounter more humans in the book. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. But I think a lot of it is that those interactions with him and the little, the little bot in the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. The little bot. I love the little bot. Uh, anyway, so, <laughs> so there's two, when you, know, when you think about robots and artificial intelligence, there's two fields of thought. There's the one field that says, Robots are only what we program them to be, and 
you're not always going to get what you want because you may have flaws in your programming and the robot may not perform what you want. And then there's the other thought that robots are in this, it involves shrieking and screaming and running from the room because robots will take over the world and destroy us all. So where do you find yourself with those two extremes? Oh, well, I think we're really far from that robots are going to take over the world kind of thing. <laughs> um, that we're probably placing a lot more intelligence on um, artificial beings than they have the capacity for in the near future. Um, but I, I just think it's so interesting. I think there's a lot of ethical considerations if robots do reach, you know, what, what makes us human is something, is one of the themes of my series, um, really across all series, because I feature robots in every series, um, not always as the main character, but they're in there. But what, what does make us human? And just because, like, if, um, you know, you are augmented, let's say, and, um, you know, at what point are you, you know, do you stop being human or, you know, if you are, like, if a, if an AI creates something, is that, you know, there's ongoing questions going on right now about whether that is something that can be copyrighted. Does the AI actually own what they create or is it the programmer's copyright or does it, can something that is created by an AI even be copyrighted? Is it just generated? Um, I think one of the things that's really interesting to me is when robots do kind of have more of an independence, and, and I do think that's down the road. I think there will be advances in artificial intelligence and I don't know if there would be something approaching emotions. I hope so, because that's what I write about and that's what I'm kind of dreaming about happening. Um, as I, I kind of believe, I would be on the side of AI rights. Um, <laughs> and down the road, if they are independent and they're going to maybe want, I think they would want the same things we do, like um, having a good life and purpose and being happy, being surrounded, you know, having other companions, other family even. Um, that's kind of what I see happening. I don't think they would be something to be afraid of or I don't, I don't envision a Skynet kind of thing happening. I, I mean, obviously if there was a bad element or bad, uh, some kind of nefarious programming that caused some, something like a Skynet to happen. I mean, I think we could control a lot of how, a, a lot of where that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they, you know, you watch things like Terminator and I think there were large leaps from Skynet, um, having the codes to Skynet deciding to kill everybody to make it safe. I thought that was a really large leap um, in that. But you know, like you said, the programming and, and I was just reading something recently about, I think I saw a TED talk recently where she talked about the programming and, you know, it depends on how you program, what you put in is what you're going to get back out. Right. And yeah, and, and, and there are some really interesting advancements in artificial intelligence storytelling and people mm -hmm. creating, um, putting your putting your words in, saying enough words that the, that it can, then the AI can talk as you, right. which I thought was kind of interesting. Also, you know, you can have a conversation. I could set up a bot and people could have a conversation with me, and I wouldn't need to be there, but the bot would answer probably how I would answer, based mm -hmm. on maybe answers and questions that were fed into it to begin with. Yes. Yeah, and which is, I mean, there's so much, I think the field of robotics is really, really fascinating. There's so many advances, so many things. You know, I don't think I'm going to be one of those people that will jump uh, at having computers run my house. You know, I don't have, um, I don't have any of the Alexa or any of that kind of stuff. I've got a friend who's got Alexa and every time you hear her yelling in the background, shut up Alexa, because she'll yeah. say something and it'll say, would you like to buy or would you like to hear? No, I don't. And um, 
she, uh, yeah, that's Kim. Sometimes during the, during the chat, you can hear her going, shut up, Alexa. Um, I don't have Alexa. I don't have a doorbell cam. I don't, I don't think I ever want any of those kind of things. It's bad enough that I'll talk about stuff and then I'll get ads for what I was talking about mm-hmm. in Facebook. And I know my brother-in-law says it has nothing to do. I don't know. I didn't text anything. And one day I walked into a bike shop and I, I was talking to somebody there and I left Then I had all these ads for bicycles. So I know they had, they're not supposed to have tracking on, but they had tracking and I knew where I'd gone. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So at, um, oh, oh, I know what it was. We walked in the bike shop. I asked them about the, the, the stride ones where instead of pedaling, you're like just moving your feet. I see, we used to live in Key West and I would see somebody with that all the time and think that is so cool. You're standing up. Bicycle bothers me. It hurts my back to lean over and, and, um, I thought standing and doing the stride, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. So I talked with them about that. We left, I came home, I went on Facebook and there were ads for that type of bicycle on my Facebook. And, and my brother-in-law is like, no, no, no. Or maybe it was my nephew. They're like, no, that's not how it, why it happened. I said, I didn't talk about it to anyone. I didn't type anything into Facebook. My phone was in my pocket when I went in and talked to the guy. And I thought that, that creeped me out. So that... <laughs> <laughs> that that's something I wouldn't I don't I think I might be one of those people that if there was a robot around is it listening to me is my Roomba is my Roomba um spying on me there's a short story for you there. is my Roomba yeah. spying on me well I do love my Roomba I love anything that makes me more productive I think because I'm kind of a productivity nerd so I love like putting my little vacuum on and that it is what expired that's what inspired my character um but i love putting it on and then doing something else and then like i'm the vacuuming's getting done and i'm doing something else i'm just nerdy like that (gasps) now yeah those are cool i think my mom had one and my cousin has one and they used to have this cat that would ride the roomba and then when it when it whenever it was done, it would go back, you know, and and plug in to get recharged. And the cat would push, cat knew what button to push to make it go again. And she'd be like, no, 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 Monty, you have to let it charge. And the cat would get back on the Roomba and go, it would take it back. He would push the button to make it go again because he liked to ride it all around the house. That is so cool. It's like the robots with their cat overlords. (laughs) If If I'm having a bad day, I'll look at the cat in a shark suit riding a Roomba with a duck. There's like something hysterically food. funny and calming about that. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like watching a fish tank, watching the cat sitting on the Roomba. You don't see dogs riding them. Dogs, no. dogs don't like that. There was one with a baby riding one. I thought, how did the baby get on the Roomba? No, no. Um, yes, but, but yeah, cats, cats in shark suits riding Roombas are hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't... So do you think... Okay, so five years from now... They come up with block. Would you buy one and have it at your house? Yes. <laughs> I figured you'd say yes. I think I would be real. I don't know if I would or not. I not would sure. love a robot that does housework and cleaning and simple tasks. I, I just think it, I think that's definitely something that will be happening and, and things like, um, robot companions for people who are in nursing homes or people who need, you know, people um, who just need care in their home. I think there's a very cool possible, possible future for that. I actually was just saw a headline about how because of um, COVID and so many people in quarantine and that things like chatbots are becoming very popular. Like if you, I don't know if you saw the movie, Her. Yes. Um, I was thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. They were saying how that that was very that predicted a lot of what's happening now, where people are relying on this artificial intelligence to for companionship because they can't necessarily go out and spend time with people, but they're lonely. Um, and I think you know I I would even see something like a her where an AI like that becomes more sentient, and you're going to need psychologists to help the robots. And <laughs> that's kind of an idea I've had yeah. um, about it. Maybe that'll be a, become a story or something. But um, yeah, somebody who would, who's a robot psychologist who would 
and that's their occupation and they yeah it's just an idea but maybe that'll turn into something at some point <laughs> yeah most definitely and and yeah my mom's um in a uh, memory care unit she has dementia and last two christmases ago my sister and i got her a robotic cat oh wow and it's very cool it's from a company called joy for all which is a offshoot of hasbro and I'll put links in the show notes. So if you have a relative in memory care, they have a dog and they have a cat. I like the cat better. The dog sits up and it's a little harder to hold, but the cat lays and um, her ears twit, turn. She turns her head, she meows, her eyes open and close. She licks her paw and then she'll roll over so you can scratch her belly. Okay. And it just depends on where you are touching her on her body. It depends on what she does. And she's got to be motion activated because... When I walk in her room or when I used to walk in her room before COVID shut everything down, she would start meowing as soon as I walk in the room and as soon as there was motion. Wow. And yeah, sometimes she meows so much. I, I went there one day and I said to my mom, where's, where's Kitty? Where's, where's Puss Puss? I think that's what she calls her. Oh, I don't know. I think she ran away. I'm like, it's a very expensive robotic cat. I really hope she didn't run away. <laughs> so I searched her room and I found the cat on the floor of her closet with laundry piled on top of it. So I think that the cat was just meowing too much and bothering her. So mm -hmm. she hid it. At least mm -hmm. she didn't throw it away. <laughs> yeah. She keeps throwing her clothes and her, her glasses away. Ugh. So anyway, but yeah, the robotic cat is, is very cool. Um, and it's, it's, it, it keeps her from being lonely. Mm, you know, especially, yeah, especially right now where they can't, I can't get out to see her. We used to get out to see her four or five times a week and take her out to lunch or breakfast or for a walk or go to the park or we went to the beach one day and uh, and and since you can't do any of those things of course yeah. the robotic cat has been really cool and i completely forgot you know we were talking about robots and i forgot yeah you know the robotic cat is a robot it just doesn't you know it's not going to rise up and kill her probably well it can't <laughs> walk so she can get away from it pretty easy <laughs> Oh gosh. So tell people where they can find you. Yes. CameronCoral.com is my website. And if you go there, you can um, actually get and sign up for my newsletter list. You can get a full length novel called After We Fall. Um, it's a story based in my Rogue Spark series universe. And yeah, so that's the best way to get in touch. <laughs> well, fantastic. And I loved Steel Guardian so much that um, let's do a giveaway. I will give away an, um, an e-copy. Uh, all you have to do is comment on the show. This is over at our YouTube page. Don't comment on the podcast page because I will never see it. The podcast is all over the place and I just won't see it. So if you go down to the, to the show links, the show notes, there'll be a link at the top saying comment over on our YouTube page. Go to the YouTube page and I think it's probably pretty easy to, I always say, it, I think it's pretty easy to comment on the YouTube page. I think you just have to scroll down and hit comment. Um, do that. And let's come up with a question for them to answer just so people don't. don't. So let's ask them a question. Um, okay. So are you in the camp of, and anybody probably can figure it out then from the comments. Are <laughs> you in the camp of, do you think that AI is going to uh, take over the world and destroy it? Or are you of the mindset that AI is only what we can program it with and it will always be um, uh, pro-human, <laughs> I guess? So which way do you tend to go? So just tell us in the comments uh, and maybe include if you would have a cleaner bot or a bot companion, maybe. So let us know in the comments and um, let's see, it is... Let's do July 15th. That gives us a couple weeks. I'm going to write this down so I don't forget. So July 15th, whatever day that is. Is that a Thursday? I hope not. Let's see. July 15th is a Wednesday. Oh, perfect. Okay. So July 15th is a Wednesday. I will pick at fa at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Eastern on July 15th. I'll grab a name. So, um, and I'll give away an e-copy of uh, Steel Guardians. It is so much fun. And um, if you don't have an e-reader, you can download the Kindle app on your phone. <laughs> it is wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Melissa. I had such a blast. This was fun. <laughs> Me too. And I will, I will see you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, Cameron. Okay.
go ahead and comment just what we asked you to comment and uh, put it down in the show notes. Click on comment over on the YouTube channel, leave your comment there. And on July 15th at 6 p.m., I will draw one winner and you will win an e-copy of Steel Guardians. It is so good. If you like robots and you like post-apoc, you will love this book. And like I said during the show, I kept thinking, am I gonna, am I gonna like this? Am I gonna like it? Because I always worry when I start a new series and I didn't want to put the book down, really didn't. And uh, it was just, it was so good. And so highly recommend the book. And if you already own Steel Guardians, then uh, we can get you, uh, I will get you uh, one of her other books, um, any of her other eBooks. That's it for this week. You can comment, like I said, click, go down and you click on um, uh, comment over on the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm still out of it from walking uh, when it's hot. <laughs> I really shouldn't do that. Um, let's see, what else, what else? Oh, uh, we are over on uh, Instagram and you will also find Books Cubed on Facebook. I kept toying with uh, having the uh, Facebook page for this show and oh, it's a lot of work, but uh, I had it for a while and then I kind, of, I kind of unpublished it and then I kept getting people commenting when it was unpublished. I said, okay, I guess I should bring it back. So uh, if you go to Facebook and you look up Books Cubed, you'll find us and you can comment on there uh, or like I said, you can comment on Instagram or the YouTube page. So uh, that's it for this time. And uh, I will have another great show for you next week. And in the meantime, go read a good book.